With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Trauma focus that will be done 
at a great event coming up on August 11th in Minneapolis. Man, a brother, uh, uh, I'm just excited to be a part of it. I was asked to be a part of it. And, you know, here's one thing I will tell you. Sometimes we have to really face some of these things that culturally that we refuse to face. And I myself, you know, if you would have asked me two years ago anything about mental health, I would have said, man, I don't know what you're talking about. Not me, not anybody I know, not anybody in my family. Well, I take that back, my brother-in-law. I would have talked about Thaddeus and said, you know, what he was going through or what have you. But I would have never stated for myself that that's what I was going through or anybody else was going through. And when I say myself, I'm simply meaning as far as just simply stress. We've all been under stress. I know friends, male and female, who brag about being put under constant stress and performing under stress as if Stress is something that we should be bragging about, as if stress is something that we should constantly be placing ourselves under. And then when you add to that stress, whether it's work-based, family-based, relationship-based, societal-based, when you add in the fact that we don't have places to discuss our stress, when you add in the fact that we don't have places to heal from our stress and the other mental health ailments that others, yourself, also may be going through, then what we have walking around is a bunch of powder cakes that are about to erupt. So on August 11th at 10 a.m., I'm excited to sit down with the panelists that we're going to have, the brothers that we're going to, that's going to be a part of the breakout session, to have a strictly focused conversation on how we, as black men, can get ourselves together. How can we, as black men, solve our problems? And with that being said, if you are in the Twin Cities, I'm hoping that you take time out of your day to come down on that Saturday morning, brothers, mothers, if you're listening, please send your teenage sons at 16, age of 16 on up. And I want you to be a part of us transforming how we see each other, how we talk to each other, and more importantly, how do we get a place or get to a place where we're willing to vent and then create a place where we can let off some of the steam and stress and other issues that we may be having. Now, before I bring in 
my first guest, who is the brains behind all of this. I want to say, we cannot pray away this trauma that we experience on a daily basis. We just can't. We can't hope it away. We just can't. We can't put ourselves or our futures in a position where they are constantly suffering from trauma based off of cultural actions, based off of societal pressures, based off of being in a position where they just can't, can't get help because it's taboo. Here's a quick statistic. 40% of white Americans are currently seeking some kind of therapy. Meanwhile, only 25% of African Americans are seeking that therapy. What I tell all of my brothers and sisters is that we all talk about securing the bag. The main people who are using the therapy are the people who have the bag, and they're trying to keep it secure. So they know they must get their minds right or keep their minds right and not buckle under the pressure of other people telling them, hmm, you're going to see a therapist? Oh, that's for crazy people. You seeking marriage counseling? We don't need other people in our business. What you stressed about? You can't deliver in the clutch? No. Those millionaires and billionaires and CEOs that you guys see, not the ones who are doing it for a short time, but the ones who are doing it for a long time, they are at therapy. They are part of that 40% that are getting that help. And those who look like you, who are secure in the bag, they too are at therapy getting their minds right. And with that, I'm going to bring down Sister Chandrell, who is the brain behind this whole thing that we're doing. Sister Chandrell, how are you doing today? I'm doing really good. How are you? Man, I am doing great. I got my man, Lee Vaughn, who is co-hosting. He's rolling around right now. Uh, Lee's going to be listening silently, but he's going to hop in in a second when he's ready. Uh, that's my man out of Baltimore, military guy as well, just like my brother O. So when Lee hops on, man, it's going to get real serious. Lee, I got you here, man. I'm going to mute you for a second, bro. Is that cool? All right, Lee's with it. All right, so Chandrell, <laughs> let's go ahead and uh, let's talk about why you wanted to create this space for black men. Um, I think it's important to have balance. I was, and I still am currently on a journey of, you know, healing myself. And as I was starting to do the work and put the work in, um, I started realizing the imbalance that we have. There's so many different um, events and work space, excuse me, safe spaces and opportunities for women to heal and get themselves together to be more productive in the society. But I very rarely hear um, or see um, these spaces for men. And, okay. Um, yeah, and I think it's important that we have that balance. I mean, here in Minnesota, we just seen a young man get shot down 
<clears throat> and unfortunately, no the police weren't even being charged. Um, so I can only imagine what that has resonated and brought up into the men in our, of our community, some fear, some anger, some frustration, some rage, um, because, you know, that could have been them or that was somebody that they knew, and now they're frustrated and they're irritated because now they don't know how to how to let that out. They don't have the space. And so sometimes they might go right. to something that's just, just as dangerous as what somebody else has done or put in a predicament or a problem where they're no longer here. Um, I essentially just want all of us to heal and be in a balance to stop the toxicity, um, mm. to be able to start talking about the things that we go through and know that it's okay to have these conversations. Um, I'm so sick and tired of the era that we don't talk about our business, like you said before. Um, but because by us being so quiet and so silent, we're killing ourselves. So no doubt. That's what I, I wanted to do. <laughs> no doubt. No, no, keep talking. Uh, keep talking. I want to hear it. Yeah, I just think it's important. I mean, we know that it's okay for women to heal and it's okay for women to talk about their emotions and their problems, but I, I need to know and understand that it's okay for men too. Um, I need you guys to understand that it's okay for you guys to hurt. It's okay for you guys to have emotions. It's okay for you guys to have pain. But it's also okay for you guys to talk about it and share it. Um, I'm a strong believer that when you share your darkness, it can be a light to somebody else. Um, you guys can start sharing the resources um, that you guys have, have done in the past to be successful and overcome some of those struggles and those demons that you guys have had. I just want us to get into a place that we are able to just be mentally, emotionally, and physically sound and stable. Um, I feel like you said earlier, once we are able to do that, other areas of our life will flourish. You know, we'll be more financially wealthy. You know, our relationships will be more stable, more more healthy, um, mentally will be more sound. Um, when you are living in constant stress and fear, there's no way that you're operating it at your highest potential. There's just no way. Um, and so it's important so that we start digging into these, these issues that we have and these problems that we have. And when I say we, I no longer just mean me. Um, as a woman, I mean you as a man as well. Like, y'all got problems, y'all got issues too. Um, and one thing that I love um, about you and your transparency is that you don't hide from them. You you let the world know, yo, like I'm I'm hurting today, or I'm feeling this type of way today, and it's absolutely okay to have that space. Um, and so I just want to continue to create that space. So let me ask you this, because I know we were on a show, another blog talk show last week, and this is part of the reason why we're doing this show today. As uh, my listeners know that I, you know, I took a long hiatus working on Myth of Murder, still working on that, y'all. Be patient. Uh, but we were on this other show, and uh, the conversation that came up, and I'm, I'm finding that this is probably typical for you in this line of work, is the dialogue mm-hmm. about money. Do you find that a lot, yeah. like, coming, like, who's getting the money and why? Yeah. And it's so crazy. While you're so, while these people in the community are so focused on the money, we're still losing bodies. Instead of distracting us talking about who's going to get the money and where the money's going to go, how about roll your sleeves up and put the work in? If you don't like how a person is operating with the funds that they're getting, um, do it yourself. Change, change the past. That's essentially what I did um, in my healing process. I went out. I was like. Yeah, there's some great things out here, but it's not what I essentially need. Um, for me, I'm a person that asks questions. I need to know the process. I need to know how. 
Like, so when I'm telling people, yo, you need to heal, you need to start having these conversations, I create the space so that you can do so. Um, If you feel like the people in the community aren't really providing that mental service that they need, what are you bringing as a solution instead of bringing problems? Um, At the end of the day, money isn't really going to solve anything. Majority of my events that I have done have been completely free to the community, and I pay for it out of my pocket, just to be honest. Mm. Not even asking for money from anybody or anywhere. I paid for it out of my pocket because I knew that it was needed. And the majority of the people doing this work are paying for it out of their pocket. The minimum that somebody can spend on the event, I know with the people that I rock with, is $1,000. That's a minimum of what we're putting out. Not community or city funds or grants or anything like that. That's coming out of our pocket. Right. And you know what I find out more, more so, like when I was doing swim in the Twin Cities, uh, we're, at, we're at Farview Park, we're at Farwell, we're at, we're at uh, North Commons, and, you know, I'm going in my pocket, I'm putting my money out. I saw all those people that were complaining about all of this stuff about, man, you know, uh, this is uh, what we, you know, like people getting the money and people are doing this and people are doing that. And what I found out real quick was, yeah, you'll get those complainers that tuck your cape and be like, yo, let me tell you about what other people are doing. But when it was time to get mm-hmm. to work and, and cut the checks themselves and they could see you doing mm-hmm. the work, they wouldn't cut no check to you, even if it was $10, $20. It was even hard to get people mm-hmm. to volunteer their time. So uh, what mm-hmm. I say constantly when it comes to this type of stuff is this. For one, and I'm going to try to bring my brother Lee on, uh, we don't need to be talking about the white man's money and what he's given or not given to us. And the reason why I say we don't need to be talking about it, is that important? Yes, it's important. But at the same time, but at the same time, that ain't our money. And if the white man decided to give his money to anyone, that's on him on who he gives his money to, right? Mm-hmm. And they've never been mm-hmm. in a position to help us solve our issues in a matter that was going to help us long term, even from being emancipated. They didn't give us that 40 acres in a mule. And look, mm-hmm. even as former slaves, we went off and we took care of things, created towns, built schools, built churches, built businesses. Uh, we try to go reclaim family. We did all these things on our own. And what happened? Oh, man, they brought in some immigrants from Europe, and then they formed these coalitions that we call the KKK, and they chased us off the land that we tilted, the towns that we put together. They burnt down our towns. That's how you got the great migration from the south to the north. Five million was due to the government, state, local, and federal, turning a blind eye, allowing others to terrify us, to stress us mm-hmm. out, to cause us a lot of tension. A lot of families got split up again. That's why some of your relatives, you might be living in New York listening to this, and you got relatives in Louisiana that you've never seen. Or you might be living inside of Alabama and got cousins out in California that you've never met. And see, when we talk about our mental well-being, 
For one, you have to be in a comfortable environment to where you can thrive. Two, you have to have what they call the right of decency. You have to be able to provide for yourself and your family, have great health care. But lastly, you have to feel secure, right? You can have all those things as a middle-class black man, a rich black man, as being Rames. About to bring Brother Lee in on this one. As Ving. Ving is rich, living good, eating good, very successful. But Brother Lee, how do you think Ving feels about pulling up to his crib and Ving had those people pull them guns out on him, brother? How do you think he feel about that? Uh, less than a man, without a doubt. It's um, very difficult to, as a man to be especially in front of your family and or in front of a place or a thing that you call your own. Taking that pride away from you when you are left with so little as one who's classified as a minority in this um, this place that we call America. Mm. It, 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 it makes you feel even, even more subhuman, if you will, or, you know, questioning your position in the society that loves you but also despises you at the same time. Where do you go? Where do you turn? Who do you turn to? So, you know, mm. I, I love this. I love this sister's mindset in the South. And are you all hearing me okay? I'm sorry. I got to talk on the car. I'm driving, so I, I can't do it otherwise. Okay. Hey, listen, brother. Um, it, ain't, it, ain't, it ain't the best quality, but it's quality. I can hear you. Sister Chandrell, can you hear him? Yep, I can hear him. Okay. All right, brother Lee. The, uh, the, uh, um, I'm sorry. I, I lost my train. But um, I, was, I was saying I, I love Sister Chantrell's mindset and, and forthrightness with putting this together because you're right. We do need an opportunity and a place to be expressive of ourselves. However, many of us are not taught how to do so. And when we do so, it's usually in a destructive manner, not a constructive manner. So even in, in that, it's um, detrimental to the family unit or to ourselves in, in general. That's real. And, and Brother Lee, let me ask you this, man, because... I was thinking about this scenario that happens a lot. What I'm going to do, Lee, is I'm going to ask you the question, and I'm going to mute you for a second and then bring you right back in because it's giving you feedback when I ask the question. So one moment. So what, what I wanted to ask, Lee, is this. So when we are, as African Americans, we, for one, Du Bois talked about this double consciousness that we suffer from, right, Chandra? Where we are white when we need to be, and then when we don't need to be, to be ourselves, right? We can unzip uh, facade. We don't have to speak the Queen's English. But when you are now in an age of social media, Brother Lee, Sister Chandrell, where every time you engage, you no longer have that switch as African Americans to kind of get away from our white counterparts. When you go to venues, they're always at the venues. When you go to 
try to release and blow off that stress and talk about your issues, you always have to hear about their issues as well. Because, you know, they are, they, you know, they never had, you know, they can tell you about the time they was discriminated against, or they can tell you mm-hmm. about the time uh, that their uh, immigrant ancestors came over, just like your immigrant ancestors. And they can tell you, uh, you know, that, you know, all lives matter versus black lives matters. And when you can't express yourself and there's no place for you to express yourself, Brother Lee, you can understand where that powder keg lies, right? Absolutely, and you know, uh, most of our ancestors weren't immigrants. We were forced slave labor, so that immigration um, tends to lead one down the pathway of a want or a desire to go somewhere. So you immigrate. You know, some of, some folks, even white folks, ran away from things. <laughs> you know, they immigrated to America as their last hope, but um, they weren't stolen away. I mean, the majority of um, brown-skinned people in this country were stolen and bought here. And there were some that immigrated here, but the, the vast majority of us were, were stolen. So that, that, that that's apples and pears. It's not even apples and oranges. You can't compare those two at all. But, yet, uh, you, you you know, you sit around and uh, it, it's interesting because even before, and I'm sorry, I'm backtracking a little bit, but I'm, I'm going to get to the point. Even before yesterday with LeBron's interview, I was thinking, and I, I waited too late in the evening to post. But the question I had in my head was, you know, is, is does America really have a race issue, or do you feel like there are race baiters on each side just pulling the strings of people in the middle? And I wanted to pose that question to actually open up real dialogue among the people that I know and some people that I didn't know in order to get to the bottom of what most people that, again, I know or some people I don't know feel about the situation. Until we deal with the fact of there is racism in America, we're never going to get over the fact that there is racism in America. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, you, I mean, I, I ran into a young lady the other day. Now, this is very interesting. This gets to me to that. ran into a young lady the other day, and she says she's biracial. And I'm like, well, how the hell are you biracial? Well, my grandmother was white, and she married a black man, uh, but both of your parents are black. Well, how the hell are you biracial? How do, you, how do you even get to that in your thinking? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Look, there's nothing wrong with being inclusive, just like there's nothing wrong with being exclusive. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you are, to me, that's like a she being a woman saying, yeah, I understand a man's right to want to urinate in a man's own. How do you do that? Like, well, I'm human. Like, yeah. no, dog, but you're a woman. You know what I'm saying? Like, you can't cross that fence, dog. Like, come on. Stop trying to have it every freaking way. And sadly, more often than not, it's our people that try to have it every freaking way. Like, dog, stay in your lane, play your lane, and push up. With, with us being so divided, this is one of the issues that we have to, 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 that we can't push our issues forward because, so you know, so many others in that pool of, well, I feel for them, and I feel for them, and I feel, okay, when are you going to feel for me? When are you mm. going to feel for you? Yeah, you, you feel like mm. everybody else. Feel for you. Take, take a mm. minute and just feel for you. Just feel for you. There's nothing wrong with that because that's what everyone else feels for themselves. They feel for themselves. They feel for themselves. As you said earlier, brother, you know, writing a check. 
you know, uh, folks understand that writing checks is what leads to political power and influence. They don't flex mm-hmm. the vote. They write the check, and then they flex the vote. The one right. comes before the other. You know, right. too often we want to flex the vote, but we don't want to write a check. That's why mm. we get what we get. The funds that the people were talking about in the last show, they had their information incorrect. Um, the great thing about this program and what I was so excited about was that um, it wasn't only selective towards medical professionals. It was anybody in the community that was doing the work. You had to write a proposal, and it was an in-depth proposal providing budgeting and everything that you um, would need for your program to run successfully. And just because you submitted that proposal did not mean that you automatically got the money. And the people that you submitted your proposal to are not the decision makers of who gets the money. They literally put it out to the community. So the people in the community who are suffering have to make these decisions of where they want the money to go. So it's not like old school where you put a proposal in and the city's like, yep, I think that I think that you'll be good. So I'm going to bid you the money. It's not that anymore. Um, it's changing the dynamics. And I think that they didn't understand that or they didn't want to acknowledge that um, because it now puts the power in the hands of the community to make the decision of how they want to heal. So I just want to make sure that oh. it's clear. The city is not making the decision. But the government is not making the decision of where the money goes. It's the community. Mm, okay. All right. That, that That's good to know. And I just want to say this is I appreciate, you know, the opportunity to go on to the Don and Ron show. Uh, you know, however, I would tell you, if you call in here, 347-826-9600, and you have questions and you want to talk, you can talk to anybody that's inside, that's on this um, broadcast. Uh, everybody will ask questions. We don't believe in, you know, I don't believe in bringing people on the show and not allowing them to discuss with the audience uh, what it is that they're talking about, because a lot of times that's how we get misunderstandings. The other thing is I don't bring people on, even if I disagree with them, I don't bring them on to badgering because I feel like Mm -hmm. if we're going to talk about difference, then what we have to do is be able to talk in a way that we can uh, be able to be digestible uh, to each other. Now, I will tell you, I've been on Brother Lee's show, and I, we had a brother on that told me not to call him brother, and that was pretty uh, that was pretty funny to me, but I wasn't necessarily the most uh, nice to that cat, and I'll bring Brother Lee in on that one, but the main reason was because I knew that that brother suffered from a lot of this uh, mental anguish that a lot of us feel uh we, we suffer from, just like when Lee was talking about the uh, sister that said she was biracial. She'd rather be anything besides African-American. She would rather be anything besides black American. And we have to recognize right now, more than ever, more than ever, have we been kind of, I want to say, duped in a lot of ways into not wanting to be ourselves. Brother Lee, what would you say about that? No, I would agree with that, and I was saying, uh, and, I, and I appreciate you uh, bringing me in and out. Again, as I said, I don't want you getting all that feedback from me, me driving and stuff. Uh, I, I agree with you 100%, and, yeah, you were not nice to that brother at all. <laughs> <laughs> however, however, you know, I understood where you were coming from, and, and you know, um, 
Yeah. When the sister said that to me, though, it really struck a chord because I got to thinking, I'm like, well, I, I know folks who are um, Puerto Rico, and they weren't born in Puerto Rico, but they consider themselves Puerto Rican. I know folks whom every St. Patrick's Day, they swear up and down about their um, Italian heritage, but they've never been to Italy. But they're Italian American. Like I don't, I don't, I don't get what you're saying. Like seriously, I'm, 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 I'm drawing from known sectors in my life, and everyone converges to the center, which is their heritage. But she ran away from it, and I'm like, dude, I just really, really. But I mean, to each their own. To each their own. We're not homogeneous. I understand that. Um, however, we do need we do need to understand that a united front in public is better than not. And there's, there's a, I live in Baltimore. And there's a community I grew up here in, in Baltimore in which that was the case. Now, in the community, we fought amongst one another all the time, literally, figuratively and literally. We would fight, us, cuss, you name it, we did. But once we stepped out of our community, you would swear that we were the bestest of friends. We were all related. We Together, we hung out together because we understood that other communities in the city didn't like us. So we stuck together in order to protect one another outside of the community. And we need to take that approach as a whole, as a people, without a doubt. Without a doubt. You know, you had something to say negative about the Barry? Okay, say it to Brother Barry. Say it when you're at home. It's like back in the day when, you know, your mama would pull you up and be like, look, don't you let nobody know what's going on in our house. They don't need to know our business. You keep our business amongst ourselves. However, mm. if you need healing, you need counseling, you need healing, then, again, you step to your brother or your sister within the community that have those credentials to help you heal. And if that, if mm. you can't find anybody, okay, cool, step out. But you don't argue in public. That's not what you do. You don't show mm. your ass in public. You do that in private. Mm. You do that amongst yourself. You do that amongst your folks. You don't do that in public. Mm. Mm. What you doing up? And with that, what you trying to get for? Mm. Who you trying to impress? Mm. And you know I'm what, brother Lee, I want. Mm. You know, brother Lee, what I want to say about that is that what's important. When we talk about stuff uh, as far as speaking in private and having these dialogues in private, is that it also helps us from a mental aspect. Uh, and, and the reason why it does is, for one, we can show our emotion because we're very emotional people. So if we're talking in, even if it can be venting in a unhealthy way, we can then turn around and flip it being healthy. If someone doesn't feel like they're being embarrassed if they don't feel like their manhood is being called into question. And Sister Chandra, what I want to talk to you about, putting this together, talk a little bit about some of the things, because I know you sisters have had your summit, and I want to ask you, have you sisters, have you talked to sisters who talked about brothers who've probably been expressing themselves in an unhealthy mental way 
based off of feeling like they were disrespected, not only by, let's say they felt like they were talking to a brother, their their husband, their boyfriend, their cousin, their neighbor, and he went totally off the rails, not based off of what they were talking about, but because of other stresses. Have have mm-hmm. you talked to sisters and they talked about seeing that more? Um. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely you know said more, and but it's just the sometimes we as women, and I'll take this, I'll, I'll fall on the floor for this one. Um, we can be self-absorbed, and so we don't see that as an outcry or a trigger, or we sometimes don't know how to internalize that. Um, so we take that, we take it personal. Um, so, but I think it's also the same for men, um, not understanding that sometimes we, we're emotional by nature. And so right. when we express or talk to ourselves, talk to or explain ourselves, it, it can come across as any type, a million different ways. Um, it actually means something else. <laughs> Um, no doubt. But I think that that conversation has been said. Um, that's one of the reasons why I think it's important for us to have this summit for men um, so that we can be able to communicate um, healthy emotions to one another so that we're not having these, these mistriggers and these misfires that cause turmoil and chaos in our families and our homes. Um, like I believe Lee has said, it's important to have that united front outside but it's also important to have that safe home inside, that peace inside, um, being able to, to resolve our, our, our problems and our issues without it going to 10. Um, and the only way mm. to do that is that we start addressing and internalizing the pain and the trauma that we have ourselves um, and not projecting right. and expecting the other counterpart to be able to either A, heal us or B, understand, um, because that's just who they are. Um, if we can't even express our own pain and issues, how are we expecting somebody else to really receive them or understand them? No doubt. And I'm going to say this, and I'm going to bring Brother Lee in because I'm pretty sure he's going to relate. Let me just tell you this this real quick, this story. So my father passed away. My pops passed away. I go to the funeral. Now, here I am. I'm named after my father. I'm not the oldest boy, but I'm named after my father. Uh, I want to say... I can say this. I believe me and my father were probably the most close out of all his children. Um, and I go to the funeral. I got my wife. I got my mother-in-law. I got my children. Uh, first off, we were stressing about paying for the funeral. My father didn't have health care. I mean, he didn't have uh, life insurance. So family, as well as my wife and myself, we had to put together some money for that. That was a stressor. Didn't say anything, smiled, laughed. But the whole time I was going through this, what I was thinking to myself, so if I die, if I die, Mm -hmm. I wonder who is going to be able to bury me because I have life insurance. Mm -hmm. I have life insurance at the time, and I'm like, you know, but however, what if that life insurance ain't enough? What if something happens where that policy gets cut? And I see how Mm -hmm. my wife is. You know, she's uh, helping my cousin, Mike. Shout out to my big cousin, Mike. Uh, you know, he helped, you know, because he was like, hey, man, it's Unc, but he raised me like he was one of my sons, like he was my father as well. I'm in on it because Mike put up most of the money. All right, that's a stressor. My brother couldn't make it. My brother's right up under me. That's another stressor. While I'm there at the funeral, my mother's going in on me on the phone with my cousin, Mike. 
That's another stressor. Or going in on me on something mm-hmm. I didn't have anything to do about. Meanwhile, it's my father's funeral. I got up there and I talked, but I didn't cry. I didn't want to cry in front of my sons because the next thing, trying to be strong like a man mm-hmm. for my boy. Mm-hmm. Couldn't express my emotions that technically I'm losing my best friend in the world, the only person that I know since I was able to talk that if I had an issue, I can call my father, and he always supported me. I didn't want to cry mm-hmm. in front of my wife because my wife sometimes, if I showed a little bit of emotion, she can say that's corny, or she would say, oh, man, you're so dramatic. Right now, when she cried when her grandmother passed away, I would hug her, kiss her. Yo, it's all right. Whatever you need, I got you. Hey, man, listen, you need money. You what do you need me to do? Right? Her cousin died. Hug, kiss, baby. What you need me to do? I didn't feel that comfort in doing that with my wife. Now, here's the thing: to be fair to her, she didn't probably know that I felt that way, and she probably wasn't going to respond that way. But that's what was going on in my head. So once again, Uh suck it up, firm up, I'm living with this stress. And with that, I started drifting further and further away because I would go to work some days, and I would be thinking about my father, and I would begin to tear up but I would fight it so I wouldn't even cry by myself. And that stress, wow. that stress, that 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 un that unableness to release how I felt and how I feel about my father and seeing how my sons relate to me, how I related to my father. Right, I'm my son's number one hero. They'll tell you, they're not worried about nobody doing anything to them. They know who their father is. They know the extent that I will go to protect them. And if someone does something to them where I can't protect, they know that their father will go above and beyond to avenge whatever happens. So that's how I had to deal with that. Now, with that being said. Caused me to go in a whole other direction in my relationship because I'm bringing this home, Brother Lee, and I'm going to let you drop in because, sisters, sometimes y'all talk about why do we do what we do. When we don't have those venues to express ourselves with you or around you, we find other things to do. I don't do drugs. I don't drink. I don't smoke cigarettes, cigars, or anything else. But what I did find I found another ear, and that ear was good to listen to me about whatever I wanted to talk about, and she did it without making me feel a bit of shame. And that person was not my wife. This is why when we talk about people on a superficial level and we gossip about each other on a superficial level, and not really ask why. This is why we see us doing what we're doing. We don't have places. I didn't have anywhere to go. And I, you know what, to be honest with you, 
my brother Travis would call me all the time. Travis Smith, for y'all who uh, are familiar with the show, would call me. And he would talk to me like, yo, champ, how you doing? How you feeling, brother? You know it's okay to cry. You know, T, man, if you hurt, man, it's okay to hurt. But I was like, I'm big, bro. Man, y'all ain't going to see me. Man, listen, ain't nobody out here going to make me cry, cuz. Like, I'm good. But, man, by myself, I could wake up and the day would be right. And I could be like, well, damn, man, it'd be better if my dad was here. I'm watching basketball with my sons, and I'm like, everybody here except my pops. So things never really got right for me until I owned the fact that I was missing my father. And I'll talk about that more at the summit on August 11th and how I had to really come to grips with why I made a lot of the poor decisions I made not saying I'm trying to walk it back uh, because those lessons were needed. I needed to learn those lessons because that was an accumulation of uh, of decades of me uh, not being able to express myself in helpful ways. But, Brother Lee, do you relate to what I'm talking about? Man, look, you should have heard me. I was saying, you found this. You found this. <laughs> <laughs> every brother needs a t-shirt in his life i'm just saying but anyway, uh yes i can um and while i do not agree because you know i'm trying to get some ass against my life uh i, I do understand <laughs> but it is it's, it's extremely tough it's extremely tough playing that middle uh having that balance especially when as you said, you don't have that support system at home uh, or anywhere else, or you don't know how to trigger that support system. Because um, I have triggered the support system for myself outside of the home. I am actually seeing a psychiatrist. I'm seeing a psychiatrist for some of the things that happened to me while I was in the military. And uh, it's led me down a path that I'm getting more and more comfortable with. And I've been very expressive of that on on my show, and I don't mind talking about it whatsoever. So I'm actually going to continue, even if and when this program ends, I'll get into something else with some other stuff and continue down that path. But I'm loving it, you know what I'm saying? But um, you're right, man, because, you know, you come home or you feel emotional and you don't feel that safe space with your mate. So, you know, you don't want to break down because you don't want to get called a bitch or a punk or, you know, anything like that. Fuck you crying for it. Like, what you mean? Why can't I cry? You know what I'm saying? Like, I can't cry. And that, that's very tough. That's extremely, extremely tough. Uh, again, walking that line, playing that middle, trying to maintain everything. And I'm thinking as you were talking, like, this is why they kill us young. I mean, this is why we die young. I think when I say this is why they kill us young. This is why we die young because we have, we have so much stress that we internalize that they never see. Uh, as, um, mm-hmm. the sister said, as the sister said, because, you know, at certain times they are self-centered, so they don't want to hear about your crap. They just want you to hear about theirs. So it's like, really, dog? Like, so when do I get to release mine? Like, never. You know, but then you want to beat the booty up, and you're like, I don't know. 
that's you too rough or you want it all the time? Like shit, I gotta do something to release the stress. You know what I'm saying? Like where am I going to go? So you know, it, it, it's and you know I like to shoot. I go to the shooting range. I get mine off like that. I get mine off through massages. You know, I get my feet done now, like every two weeks. It's something just to relax me and just let me chill and just veg out. You know, I'll, I'll watch Star Trek all day, day, tag on day long, and I'll be happy with that. But it, 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 I, I do understand, brother. I do see what you're saying. I under, I've been in that spectrum uh, wholeheartedly in that spectrum, and you're right. At the end, like, why y'all, why y'all do this? Why you, like, dude? Okay, you don't want me to do this. I can't do that legally. I can't do this legally. I don't do that because I, I, that's just not me. Hell, I gotta do something. I mean, what, 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 what was I supposed to do? Give me something else to do. Give me but something else to important. do. I think it's very, very important to address, um, that the decision that you how you made your outlet wasn't necessarily the most productive way to do it. Um, however, you use what you knew how to use. I think the most important thing that Lee had said was that you have to trigger your support system if you don't have that support system. Um, and that comes down with being comfortable with going outside of your – it doesn't even have to really be a therapist. It could be your brother. Um, it could be – your reverend, it could be your pastor, it could be your mom, it could be your sister, like it could be a friend. But it's important just to get that support system because, unfortunately, I had the same incident um, that you had, Tommy, but it was just completely different. Um, I didn't run to another ear. However, I self-destructed. Um, mentally, my mind broke down. I wasn't, I wasn't really nice to be around. I couldn't accept my husband at the time's emotion, pains, or problems. And mind you, he just had got home doing 17 years so to imagine the stress that he had to come home to a completely new world to a wife that is just just completely breaking down mentally physically and emotionally um it just was a recipe for disaster um and because i come from the era and i was told that you don't talk about your problems regardless of what they is what they are it unfortunately took me down a rabbit hole to a point where I had to figure out how to get myself out after an attempt. Um, but we, as a people, also have to start taking accountability on our healing um, and the resources that are available to us to be able to heal. Um, with your story, Thomas, I counted maybe seven or eight different stressors that you had in one event. No wonder why you were in the situation that you were in you were compounding your stressors and not addressing them at all, which is what we do as a community in, in, in black people. Um, but I am actively working for us to get out of that. If we were able to handle that first stressor, that second stressor that came wouldn't be so bad. That third stressor that came wouldn't be so bad because we already have the tools and arsenal to be able to, to live our lives in a productive and healthy way. Um, so I think it's very, very important that we also take accountability for our healing and I love what Lee had said is that we need to trigger our own support, um, regardless if that's going to seek medical professional help or if it's seeking your homeboys down the street. Whatever you need to do to heal is your responsibility. It's not your no partner. It, um, <laughs> yeah. At the end of the day, like, I had to learn that my husband could not heal me. Like, it was not his job and his duty to heal me and make me peaceful or happy. That was my job. 
No doubt. No doubt. And I'll, I'll say this. It's not your, this is what I would say. It's not your spouse's responsibility to make you happy. But if you are the person who are going through whatever trauma you're going through, you will make that person's life hell if you don't make those decisions. Now, listen, I, I would say this, and, 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 and once again, like I said before, I wouldn't change a thing because what I had to learn, the lesson was worth me learning versus me, you know, dying from a massive heart attack or a stroke in my sleep, being stressed out. I feel mm-hmm. like what we have to talk about for those who are on the fence to coming to this event is that we're not saying that everyone that's coming that's going to be discussing, uh, you know, what they're going through will have a mental health diagnosis. We have not talked about yep. any diagnosis outside of stress on here because for most African-American men, according to Dr. Joy DeGroy, she talked about our cortisol levels, which is a chemical that stress triggers in our brain being higher than all other groups when we sleep. So we don't even find a release in sleep when our bodies are supposed Mm. to be at peace. So we can't even find peace in our sleep. And I definitely were not, was not finding peace in my sleep. I definitely was not finding peace in places that I was supposed to be. And I remember my son came home once from college and he was like, pop, you okay? I said, yeah, boy, I'm all right. He said, no, nah, man, you ain't all right. He said, Pops, I can look at you, man. You don't even look happy. This is before anybody mm. knew, you know, that I was in extramarital affairs. Nobody knew but my son, my oldest boy. And he would always, he didn't know about the affair. He just knew I wasn't in a happy place. And let me say this, that release that I found in that extramarital affair, uh, for me, it become it became a stressor as well on top of the stress that I was running from. Mm, it was simply how <laughs> I, it, it was great at first, and then it became a stressor. Now, listen, to anybody that's listening, I'm not blaming any of these sisters that was involved. We're, we're talking about my decisions and my decision making. This ain't about them. This is about me. I made poor decisions. I didn't handle my stress right. And what where we want to talk about, as Brother was talking about, and he and Brother Lee had to go, uh, is that when we talk about activating our triggers, if you don't do it the healthy way, if you don't do it the right way, those same friends that I didn't want to talk to about me feeling a certain way about my father, and other things that I was going through within my relationship, I had to go back to those same brothers and talk when my wife said it was over. I had to go back and talk to them when the other woman said, I don't want to deal with you. I don't even want to talk to you. And I found myself isolated. I was inundated with people calling me, texting me, telling me they love me. And I think I've been going on probably a year without having, outside of my children, 
my friends, my relatives. I haven't had nobody tell me they love me in an intimate way. I was with my wife for 22 years. And I didn't hear it all the time, but I heard it enough to get my mojo going. Man, you adding a second woman and you mm-hmm. feeling that, man. Listen, cool, man. I felt like Superman with the second woman, man. She made me feel like I was the best thing on the planet. And she was fine, too? Oh, man, get out of here, brother. She was feeling great. <laughs> but when you take all that away and they, they took that away, I was exposed. And for the first time, I realized that I didn't have all the answers. And I realized that I was struggling. And then... <laughs> what most of us do, not wanting to talk to my friends about the issues. Still, my son was off in college. My younger son was too young to talk about it. My daughter, I got to keep that face for them. Man, I moved far out. I was taking pictures of lakes, taking walks and trying to clear my mind, but I was secluding myself from people. And that's done, and I dug deeper. So we have to make sure, once again, trying to find a solution, but trying to find that solution, only really finding more problems, because who I didn't consult, I ain't consult no professionals. I had my ex telling me the entire time, something wrong with you. You need to get some help. (laughs) Right? You know, you know, she, you know. Was, she, was, she was telling me, you know, black folks that we love to call each other crazy, right? Yeah. And uh, so I'm saying all that to you, our listeners, to say, even I, you know, I, I walk in the classroom and, and just like my children, the students thought Mr. Barry was Superman. Mr. Barry would be dealing with all kinds of issues. And it even, in my opinion, affected how I was impacting the students. Because my fuse was shorter. I mean, I thought I was loving him the same, but I probably wasn't being myself. Because once again, I just wasn't getting the help. And a lot of things that I was accustomed to was gone. My children weren't with me, didn't have my wife with me, couldn't talk to my girlfriend who, you know, uh, she didn't deal with me or doesn't deal with me. And I just had all these issues. And then one day, it was the anniversary of my father's death. I was sitting up, couldn't sleep, and I was replaying some conversations, working on the myth of murder, and I was reading some stuff on trauma, and I replayed a conversation I had with some therapists. And I said, you know, today is my last day secluding myself from the world. I'm going to get out because people help heal people. Let me put myself around good people. And yes, then I, yes, was able, I, like that. I was able to talk to my brothers and my brethren, and I was able to express how I was feeling, and nobody called me no sucker. They knew exactly where I was coming from. I was talking to my cousin Larry, and he was telling me things and letting me know, like, cuz, I've been in that boat. You could have said something. Uh, and he gave me that space that we'll, we'll talk, and he'll hear me rant. He was like, man, I've been through it, so I'm going to let you get it on all out. Go ahead. And, you know, I just realized that I had a great supporting cast that I wasn't utilizing. 
So uh-huh. if you show up on August 11th, what we're going to do is expand your task of support. Because one thing I will tell you that I, as a black male of 41 years of age, that I suffer from, and Brother Lee, I wish he was still on, will say, is that the community aspect is gone for black men. Where you used to go places, and it was, if a black male was inside of a store with you, if anything happened in the store, you know, if it's only y'all two, y'all got each other's back. Gone. You in the black community, as long as you're not messing with anyone, what nobody going to rob you. What nobody going to take advantage of you. Hey, you, you, university was a brother. Gone. I know some people are going to say, man, that's some crazy nostalgia. Man, we live by those things, though. That was the universal code. When we said, what's up, with a head nod or chuck the deuces and, and say peace, man, that was responded with positivity. When you're trying to fight the beast every day, stressed out at your job, might be close to losing your job, your old lady, she mad because you ain't making the money you need to make to, to be able to keep the lights on, put food on the table. You might be getting hit up for child support, or you might just feel like a damn failure because everything that you planned didn't go right. Typically, we had our brotherhood universally that kept us afloat. Well, some black man that said, brother, it's going to be all right. Sister will walk up to you, brother, you all right. It's going to be all right. We no longer have that. So we need to recreate that. And, Sister Chandra, I, I just want to commend you and thank you for creating that space. Um, you know, I, I appreciate you, sisters, man, because uh, I hit a sister up this morning. She know who she is. And I told her, man, I appreciate your consistency and your grind because, to me, I feel like as black men, you know, we've lost that grind in a sense. Uh, so thank you, sister. You are so welcome. Thank you for, you know, working with me and, and consist. You have, are one of the people who have also been consistently present um, in the process of, of building this out. Um, it's important. I'm tired of turning on the news and seeing my men being shot down, whether it's by the police or by their brothers. Um, I'm tired of having fear of bringing a son into this world because I feel like I can't protect him or I can't, I don't have the resources for him to be, you know, a safe and productive person. And the only way that I feel like I can no longer be tired of that is if I put the work in. Um, and so essentially that's what I, I'm, I'm trying to do. Um, I know and I, I understand that sometimes having, asking a man to, to lay out, their um, their faults and their fears um, can be intimidating and, and scary at times because now you're showing your weak spot, you're showing your kryptonite. Um, mm. But it's really needed to, to heal. Um, and it, and if, it's, if I'm so serious about it, about creating the space that I won't even be there that day. Um, that's just how serious I am about it. Like y'all need to feel safe and starting to open up some of these boxes that y'all have packed up that is slowly killing you guys. Like you said, heart attacks, strokes. Um, if you're not worried about dying by a gun or going to jail for the rest of your life, you got to worry about your heart stopping. And that's not a way to live. Um, that's just not a way to live. And I think it's important that we have a balance. We can't keep expecting these women to heal 
and be all productive, but we're entering them in a relationship with somebody who's not. It's just gonna it's gonna avoid out all, all the work that she's done. So I think it's a balance that's needed, and and to start recognizing that you guys hurt, you guys cry. Um, I think it, it touched me when you said like you were standing in front of you 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 know <clears throat> your son and not wanting to cry after losing your best friend, after losing your father, and not even feeling like you you have that space to be able to release that that emotion is just crazy to me. Um, everybody cries. I don't care if you you are the biggest, toughest. Mm-hmm. You're 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 gonna cry, and you need to have that space in a moment to cry. And especially in, in a space of of a funeral. I never understood mm. that. I always thought that I knew that men didn't cry in public, but I at least thought they cried alone. <laughs> at least I thought they, well, they you cried know, alone. Well, you know, and. Um, in- I guess most men do cry a lot. I, I think for me, what I was going through was just wanting to keep it together enough and mm-hmm. scared to if I started crying, where would that have that slope? Would If it would have been a slippery slope to where I probably wouldn't have made it to the funeral or been able to stop crying in a way. Because I, I've, you know, it's my father. You know, I loved him my entire life. I looked up to him my entire life, and um, you know, it, it's just one of those things. And I'll say it again, man. The crazy part about uh, the, the the young lady I was dealing with was she had her own issues, and with her own issues, she was seeking help. And she used to like we used to have like some straight up conversations about the help she was seeking, and and I would, you know, I'd be like listening, and she'd be like asking me questions about. Like, what do I think? And I'm like, yo, thinking to myself, like, I would give asses, and I'm thinking to myself, like, yo, shit, I need to be on what the fuck she's on, right? Like, yo, she's uh, <laughs> she handling her business. Like, like you know, but at the same time, she allowed me space to where I could confide. And if I wanted to shed a mm-hmm. tear, she wasn't tripping. Like, so I, I think, um, you know, sometimes – because people be like, oh, folks are dramatic. I think when you see most black men, like I saw Brother Tyrese and, and his antics, I know a lot of people talk bad about him, but I would say I that forgot about when that. You, <laughs> when, you, when you are not in spaces when you can show how you feel, it's typically over the top. It's typically dramatic. Like when you, when you think about it, if there's anything that you, you, you deal with that got force of power to it, if you first time shooting a gun, first time driving a car, hell, the first time you rode a bike, if you can't handle the force that's pushing you when you're riding that bike down the hill, man, it goes all over the place. You're going to crash. You're going to harm yourself. If you can't handle the kick from a gun, man, somebody else might get shot or hell, you might shoot yourself. If you can't handle the horsepower behind the engine uh, of the car, I mean, being behind the car, the steering wheel, you might crash. And that's how it is with emotion, too. The more you get used to sharing your emotion and being able Mm -hmm. to show your emotion, then the less over the top you are, the more control of your feelings you have. And, you know, it's a thin line for a black male. Uh, We have to show strength in a lot of ways because if we don't, we can end up being a victim. So, I learned not to yeah, cry at funerals yeah. by going to my dead homie's funerals. And you don't cry at those funerals because it might be some dudes outside trying to kill y'all. 
So you gotta learn how to you gotta learn how to be tough in a lot of situations where you probably should be vulnerable. Yep, that's so true. That's very very true, and that's important. Um, I think the biggest thing that I, I took away from when, when you were saying is that is learning how to control your emotions. The more that you do the work, the more that you're mm-hmm. able to actually be successful at controlling your emotions. I am the first person go. to say that this work of of healing is not it's not easy. It's it's work. Um and it's important that we we understand that this process isn't gonna be all I like to call it, you know, gun drops and rainbows. It, it's not. Like there's days where I have to fight myself from being, you know, my lower self. Um, because I just know that once I'm in that, I don't know how long it's gonna take me to get out. But like you said, the more that I show up, the more that, you know, I'm, I'm expressing myself, I'm setting boundaries, and, and I'm putting, I love the way, I love what Lee said, you know, I'm triggering my support, whether it's me going to counseling and therapy, um, whether it's me getting back on my medication, um, or whether it's me just like, yo, like, I need to get out of the house, let me go spend some time with my family. Um, I do what's needed to be done so that I can see the next day. Um, I do what's needed to be done so that, I'm not losing my mind as somebody who really doesn't deserve it. The projection is what you were talking about earlier. Um, when a woman mm-hmm. and a man are kind of having these emotions and are not allowing each other um, to share the emotions because they're both broken. Um, and that's probably one of the reasons why the young lady that you were with seemed like comfort because she was putting in the work to heal. So she was already in her process of healing. So it was easier for her to accept your pain because she had already addressed hers. Um and it's, it's just at the end of the day, it's just really, really important that we do that work, regardless of how scary it's going to be or regardless of, you know, what somebody else may think about you, um, your sanity, your peace, your productivity um, is needed for not only yourself but the community. Like, we need our men. You guys need us women. Like, and we can't keep going down this, this rabbit hole of, of destruction of self because we don't know how to properly express and explain the things that we are going through or we've been through. And and, and no that doubt. is putting us, ourselves in, in those unhealthy situations too, because, you know, we don't, we don't understand that these situations are conducive to us being productive. I'm guilty of that. No doubt. No doubt. I think we all are right. Like, I think mm-hmm. that, that that's kind of been a cultural phenomenon. And you know what, what I would tell people is because, Another process that helped me was working on the myth of murder, um, doing the research, and then, like, being able to, like, okay, damn, this is me. And then I would even call my ex, and she would answer these questions. Like, if I said, man, what's – so tell me some of the things that's wrong with me. And she would, like, well, she had a laundry list. But some of the stuff that she would say about me emotionally, like, oh, sometimes you just don't seem emotionally available. Now you know it wasn't it wasn't kosher to push back to her and say why, but I wanted to hear, and then I also wanted to be able to relate uh, that information and then soul search, because the young lady who I was dealing with said, sometimes I just act like I just didn't care, and it wasn't that I wasn't caring; it was just that sometimes I would get lost in my thoughts about the vulnerable space that I didn't want people to see. I didn't want people to see that really I was 
in the inside a little boy without his father. And oh. I was used to people coming to me still for answers, but I had nobody who I considered my own personal coach. And then I got my personal coach. She became my personal coach. And what I found out at the end was that I thought that I was helping her, and she was actually teaching me without teaching me. So um, mm. I say I could have got those lessons in a healthier way, in a healthier form, if I knew better. Um, and that's yep. you know what I would say to my brethren and to my sister alike is you know we have to be able because that relationship could have been a great relationship if it was a healthy relationship. You know, you got to, you know, we have to make sure that we're doing things in a healthier form because you might meet your soulmate, but if it's the proper time and it doesn't have the proper sequence, you can blow it at the same time. And that's what I've learned. And the other thing that I would say to people is that you can't blame others. You can't blame mothers for the baggage of mental trauma that you bring to the table. Because a lot of mm-hmm. the trauma that I experienced, it didn't start with my father passing away. It didn't even start when I moved to Minnesota. Some of these things were things that I learned as a toddler on up through family. This is how you deal with the issue. This is how you go about acting or expressing yourself when you have issues. So when you're going through it, these stressful situations, let's not blame your significant other. Let's not blame the people that you come in contact with. Don't blame your circle. Man, own it, and the, the quicker you own it, the quicker you can solve it. What do you say about that, sister? You are only speaking the truth. Um, the more that I start digging deeper and understanding and taking accountability for my parts and my pain the faster I heal. Um, and then I also know the the smarter I am because I'm not going to put myself in that same position twice. Um, it comes down to, like, you said that you couldn't even blame the, the passing, the trauma from your father. I'll put it even further that you really can't blame the trauma from your parents um, at the end of the day. That's where a lot of my trauma started from was, like, my mm-hmm. parents and my upbringing. And I had to realize mm-hmm. that that's still... Um, was a part of my my process and my healing because I'm 32 mm-hmm. now. Why the hell am right. I still mad at my dad because he wasn't in my life? Right. Why? Why am I saying it's your fault that you weren't in my life? At some right. point in time, I got to say, you know what? I, I I just now, actually, to be honest, I just now have accepted and understood his pain and the reason why he wasn't in my life. Um, at 32. Um, but me, by me doing that, that also triggered me to be able to look at my husband at the time and be like, yo, you really hurt me. And to have mm. me step out of my pain and look at his pain and his triggers mm. and his stress and be like, it's not even that serious right now for me. Like, let me check on you. What do you need from me? How can I help you mm. heal? The pain that I caused mm. you, what can I do to fix that? Um, and that mm. was simply by me not, but my me um, going back and kind of reanalyzing the whole situation with my father and realizing and taking that accountability at this age 
that I can't even be mad at you no more. Like, it's not even worth the energy for me to even have a, an attitude that you weren't present um, during the pivotal points that, that I believed in my life. And now it's to the point where now I have to start realizing and, you know, going through that process with my mother um, because that's some of the reasons why I'm the woman that I am now. And I feel like once I start addressing that pain and taking on um, that responsibility, I'll probably heal even further in my process. But it's important no for us to to take that 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 work and that, that accountability, um, and stop being so quick to say it's somebody else's problem and job, um, because no you will doubt. forever be disappointed. No doubt. And and while we on it, because we don't want to be tone deaf about what's going on in our city. A lot of people in the city right now is reeling and dealing with the situation with Brother Blevin. Uh, and mm-hmm. the assassination of that brother by the police. Yesterday was the releasing of the video, and mm. I want to bring this up because, to me, it brought me back to a time where I was sitting at my dinner table. I think I was helping one of my – I was helping my daughter with homework, if, I, if I'm not mistaken, or either that or I was fixing dinner, one or the other. And I remember my son, no, we were eating dinner. And my son had walked in and said, did y'all see this? And we all look, it's me, my wife, and my three children. And we are um, watching this video of this brother dying. And I knew instantly that he was going to die, how he was sitting. And I just remember the feeling that came across me. And I saw the look on my family's face. And this was after the rash of shootings that were happening, and now it's at mm-hmm. our doorstep. And later on that night, me and my brothers met up, and we all had that look, that feeling, and we were talking about what we were going to do to protect ourselves. I don't even want to go into what we were saying, but I do want to say that we all were traumatized by that video. And just like that video yesterday, we, with cultural trends and social media, we help spread that trauma to all each other yeah. once again. And this is the thing about hurt folks. Hurt people hurt people. And when mm-hmm. I say that, I'm not talking about the coward police officers who shot that brother in the back. I'm talking about the fact that we haven't even learned on a mental aspect that even the re casting and the sharing of those videos while it gives us something to talk about it gives us a fire for emotion there is mm-hmm. no places that we have set up to release that in a healthy way or to digest yes. that and it doesn't do anything but to bring our cortisol levels up and our stress levels up because when this happens, the violence is not being met by violence from us. It's not being met by justice from the system. It's not being met by firing of the police officers, by the mayor, by the police chief. It is met by, well, he was fair game. So when we talk about stress, brothers, and mm. mental Mm-mm. health that needs to be healthy, we also help share into that making of trauma and stress 
and PTSD <laughs> by showing these videos. And sister, what do you think about uh, that? Uh, you know, about us sharing these videos and you know the stress that we're causing one another. So you're there, it's called triggers. Um, and so I watched some of it and I had to stop because it was triggering me um, to a point where I was like, I can't even watch this anymore. Um, do I believe that we need to be made, made aware of the, the value on our life? Absolutely, I do. I don't think that these people should continue to be able to kill us in the dark and nobody knows. Um, but I think that it's important that if we're going to be blasting these, these videos um, and this information to the community, that we're also providing the spaces for, for these people to really release it because it can get very dangerous. Um, I can I felt a rage inside of me, and I'm a woman, so I can only imagine the rage and the anger that a man had felt, um, the fear that a man had felt. And it's so funny that you say that there wasn't any spaces um, available for the community to go to. There is a rally currently going on as we speak um, at City Hall, but I think that there also needs to be these private closed spaces for us to be able to yell, scream, cuss, whatever we need to do to get this out um, for us to start being effective in the change that we desire. Because first we have to get through this ugliness. First we have to get through this pain to really clear our minds to be successful in making a change. Um, and I really wanted to create a space. I just didn't have the opportunity to um, and the right resources to to create a space. Um, but maybe that's something that maybe you and I can do in conjunction besides doing the, the Men's Summit, um, to have a space for us to be able to talk about it. Um, I remember last year or the year before, um, there was a space similarly held for Justine, I believe, and the community okay. was able to discuss um, how they felt the injustice of her case versus I think it was Philando. That's who you're talking about, the young man who got shot, um, and it was right. You know, um, I, I think that I, those I, places I, need to be present. So I, I participated in a event where we were all at Breaking Bread, and we were talking about um, the situation, Brother Castillo. And I, you know, I want to say this because we got seven minutes left to go. Um, while I enjoyed the rallies. Brother Nell Reeves, shout out to you. Brother Nell is always on the front line of that. I appreciate mm-hmm. him. What I will say is that at the end of the day, we want, the, for men, we want more results than we do want to show our emotion. Mm. And sometimes just venting without being able to come up with solutions isn't enough. Mm-hmm. The, the other thing is, like I stated at the beginning, you know, we tend to not understand why community is needed and then why sometimes we need to cut out outsiders because this is what happens. Yeah, we'll have the rally, and you look up at the rally and we'll be bragging about how beautiful the rally looks. It's multicultural, multiracial, and that's cool. But do we ever really get to the issues of African Americans without bringing up Native Americans, without bringing up Somalis, 
without bringing up Asian Americans, the LGBTQ communities, the European immigrants? Do we ever Mm -hmm. get to our issues without bringing up all these things? And when we say we need a space, sometimes you need a unique space for yourself. My Somali brothers and sisters have that for themselves. My Asian brothers, Mm -hmm. brothers and sisters, Koreans, Chinese, Japanese, uh, you know, they have a space for themselves. Uh, European brothers, I should say brothers, the European folks, they got, a, they got a place for themselves as well, and they have places to where they don't want to see nobody of color. They can go to and feel right at home. If you were a person of color met at the door, even if you come with one of them, the first thing they'll tell you is you're not welcome in those spaces. So I'm, I'm saying all that to say, you know, in, in true healthiness, and true ways that we need to be able to express ourselves, uh, we have to get to the place outside of you creating these places. For one, once a person like you create them, we need to support them because we can't be saying we mm-hmm. need it. And then once it's time for it to happen, nobody shows up. Or we say we want to mm-hmm. be a part of the work, and then it's time to do the work and we're making excuses. Uh, mm-hmm. That's the first thing. The second thing is when we're in those spaces, we must not act like slaves. We must act like we are captains of our own destiny and not waste the time or the moment. Uh, We must talk about our issues and then come up with solutions. And last but not least, we must change our culture. We must change our culture because a lot of things that we've been taught, we've we've been taught about self-gratification and selfishness. We have not been taught to how we need to share in the spaces and allow others to express their feelings. Walk in, somebody's crying. We don't feel bad because a brother's crying or sister's crying. We don't make fun of them. We don't say that they're just looking for attention. We hug. Mm. We, 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 condone, we, we condone what they're going, uh, the, the emotions that are being shown, and then we work together to have, to say, hey, I don't want you going through this trauma by yourself and then having to spill out yeah. and harm everybody else. We want to make sure yep. we solve this right now. So we need to get to changing our culture and, you know, the way that we trigger things, as Brother Lee said, and as you like. And then on top of that, we must continue to create more spaces so that it shows up in other ways because not only do we need spaces to not only um, do this as men, and sisters need it for sisters, but then we also need it for couples as well. Uh, so that mm-hmm. we can be able to say, you know what, man, this is my relationship. I want to fight for it, and can y'all help me fight for it? Or this is mm-hmm. my son, and, you know, I'm struggling with my son, and I'm a single mother. Can you help me with my son, sisters and brothers? So we have to mm-hmm. be, we, we must begin that work um, and, and not just have it be in lip service. Yeah. That's very, very, very true, and I can agree with you. And I'm so happy and honored that you're you're working by my side to be able to create this space. So no longer are we talking about the problem, we're creating the solution, which in end all will help eliminate some of these issues that we have. No doubt, no doubt. And like I said before, man, I, I really want to I want to thank you because you are uh, the brains behind this. So I want to uh, thank brother. Uh, we got brother Marquis Armstrong that's going to be a part of the panel. Uh, we got, yes, uh, Marquise. Yes, man, brother Marquise, man. Shout out to you. We got brother Adrian Mack. We got brother Jamel Jackson. We got my brother Olu who's going to be on. We got brother uh, Kasim. 
uh, Abdul Razak, mm-hmm. who's going to be on. Um, we got who else we got, man? You you can go ahead and run the rest of them. Oh, brother Manu Lu, my um, guy Manu. Manu Lu, yeah. Brandon Jones is going to be on. Brandon Jones, um, no doubt. Uh, who else? This is a we lot got of brother, phenomenal men who came to the table, Nick and Cooper. I'm so honored. Cooper, yep, Nick Cooper, Dante Curtis as well. Um, yep. He's out, I actually just seen a post on him. He's out doing a seminar right now. Um, there's a lot of great men in the community who are interested in wanting to heal and put these, um, put the money in their mouth. But they're coming to the table. I really appreciate I'm just shocked and honored of how many people who have came when I called and said, what do you need? I'm there. Um, and I'm here to help. I, I say it time and time again, there is a shift in the universe, and we are tired of hurting, um, and the people are now willing to put in that work um, to start healing one another. We just got to continue to push forward even when the empty noise trying to get loud. No doubt, so. no doubt. And, and, real, and, and let me, Brother Alex and Steve Jackson, I got to make sure I shut y'all out as well because y'all both, and the sisters, let me tell y'all what's funny if y'all are here listening. So uh, Sister Chandrell is putting on, you you will be shocked when uh, I needed to get Brother Kasim. It was another sister. Uh, she uh, inboxed me, Sister Monique. Uh, sister Monique hit me up and said, look, I know uh, Brother Kasim. I know y'all was talking about him. I said, well, I haven't been able to get in contact with him. I got some people. They know him. They ain't been able to get in contact with him. She said, don't worry about it. I got you covered. Brother hit me up last night based off of her. Uh, believing in us men be having to do this. And one last thing I want to say. When we are healthy, we'll get off social media and we'll begin socializing with each other. The trend mm-hmm. of socializing through computers is not healthy for our people. It's not healthy to maintain a social mind. It's not healthy to maintain a healthy relationship or even to begin a healthy relationship. But we'll talk about that at some other time. We have to get back into being genuine, authentic, loving people. Our minds cannot sustain microwave food. We need, we need it to be oven-based. It needs to be built with time and love and the right ingredients. And with that, I want to thank you, Sister Chandrell, for coming on Rand Radio. It's been a while. I know my folks that's gonna be like they don't a lot of people probably didn't even like check tune in tonight because they couldn't believe that I was really back doing it because it's been a minute. But when <laughs> we were doing this, we were kicking blog talk ass. We had one of the highly 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 the highest rated shows. I'm going to continue to come back doing this because it was a blast for me. So I think I'm gonna take back my time on Tuesdays. And I'm thinking, hmm, next week I might come back with some more people that will be on the panel discussion as well as the breakout sessions so we can talk to y'all about brotherhood and the importance of being brothers because as uh, Dr. Joy DeGroy discussed in her workshop, black men have to get away from not only work, not only stress in the city, but sometimes y'all need to go socialize outside of your wives and your kids and do healthy things and hold each other accountable. That way you can go back and be stronger at your job, stronger at your business, stronger at loving your wife, stronger at loving your kids, and stronger at being you. Let's get to it. The time is now. Thank you all. He would have been on, but he's out there trying to secure 
his seat as a congressional member in the U.S. Congress out in Vegas. Brother, I love you dearly, brother, big brother. I appreciate you doing everything and creating our own voices for a brother like me to bring on Sister Chandrell and do what we do. Y'all be easy. And you know what? Next week, tell a mother, tell a friend. We're ratting again. Peace. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.